Well, stand with me, if you would, for today's Scripture reading. Coming from the book of Psalms, we're going to be reading Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is God's Word. Amen. Be seated. This morning we begin a new series in the book of Psalms, and you will be glad to know that we are not going to look at every single one of them sequentially, nor will we cover Psalm 119 verse by verse. No, we are simply going to pick out three psalms under the theme, Songs of Victory. The reason why I've chosen that theme and these three psalms that we'll look at together is because it seems to me that it is quite plain, I suppose, to every single one of us this morning, that we're living in a time of conflict on the global stage, and therefore it is important that Christians think together and have clarity to be able to speak to those who are not yet Christians about the real victory that we have and understand that together and be able to articulate it. But in addition, it also seems to me that within Christian circles over the last few years or so, it has become very common for us to think about and to speak about predominantly not victory, but lament. Over and over again, we hear stories and sing songs and write books and speak on social media about lament. And there is a place for that, and there are songs of lament in the book of Psalms as well. But the unforeseen consequence of that emphasis in recent years on lament has been that it almost has become the case that it feels like we Christians therefore have a sad message. It's almost as if we Christians have sad news, even bad news. And that, of course, is not the case. We have good news. We have a message of joy. 
and victory. And so for these reasons, it seemed to me important that we have this particular emphasis over the next three weeks in the lead-up to Easter. We're looking this morning particularly at Psalm 2. And this psalm is showing us how the tumult of the nations has ultimately a spiritual cause and therefore a spiritual solution. They say, why is that an important thing for us to think about? It's important for us to think about that for a a number of different reasons. First of all, the book of Psalms, and this Psalm 2, as it fits into the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms is not merely a hymn book. Often when we think about the book of Psalms in Christian circles, that phrase comes up, it's the hymn book of the church, but no, the book of Psalms is not merely a hymn book. There are songs in the book of Psalms, there are Psalms that are intended more for private devotion. It's poetic, but it's more than merely a hymn book. The book of Psalms is not just a somewhat random collection of religious hymns. It has an overall message, an overall meaning, and it's put together to help us reconnect our emotions to the Word in a way that will lead us to Christ. Sometimes when I'm thinking about the Psalms and teaching on the Psalms, I say the book of Psalms is intended to do psalmno-therapy. It's intended to help us reconnect our emotions to the Word, to the Christ. And so, one of the reasons why we need to do this is because with all the tumult of the nations, with all the chaos on the global stage, it's very easy for us to feel anxious and disturbed. And we need to reconnect our emotions to the truth of God's Word that will lead us to Christ. We need to see the bigger picture. And Psalms as a whole, and this psalm in particular, can help us do that. But in addition, not only can this psalm help us reconnect our emotions to the truth of God's Word and to Christ in the time of this tumult of the nations, because it shows us that the the ultimate spiritual cause of the tumult of the nations today is a spiritual one, and its solution is therefore spiritual Two, not only is it able to show us that, it is able also to give us, in consequence, the courage that we need. It's one thing to have conviction of the truth. It's another thing to live courageously in the light of the truth. I, uh, like you, have heard uh, many sermons over the years, and some sermons are more memorable than others, inevitably, and some stick in your mind. One sermon I heard when I was a college student 
the preacher said to us, he was preaching on the priest Eli in the Old Testament, and he described that priest Eli as a good man but weak. And he looked at us college students and said, Eli was good but weak. You need to be good and strong. Today, we who are Christians need not only the conviction of the truth, we need the courage to stand up for that and to have that courage. Our emotions, our feelings need to be reconnected to the Word, to the Christ, particularly in this time of the tumult of the nations. And this psalm, Psalm 2, is showing us how the tumult of the nations ultimately has a spiritual cause and therefore a spiritual solution. Well, let's look at it then together. And as we look at this psalm, we need, first of all, to put it in its wider context of the book of the Psalms, because the Psalms are not merely a hymn book. They have an overall message. They have an overall theme. They are structured very carefully around that overall message, that overall theme. And the Psalms are structured in this way. There's An introduction, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are the introduction to the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who fears the Word, who lives in the light of the Word of God. That is the path of blessing. That is the path of true happiness. Psalm 2, the one we're looking at this morning, is a royal psalm and indeed, as we'll see, a messianic psalm. And it is showing us that blessing comes as we commit to the Messiah as our King. That's the introduction to the book of Psalms, and that's the overall theme of the Psalms, connecting our emotions to the Word, to Christ as the King. The rest of the book of Psalms is rearticulating that message in one way or another. It's structured around five sections, and the five sections reflect the five books of the law of Moses. It is saying over and over again, this word, this law, that is the path of blessing. At the end of each section, it says a variation upon these words, praise be to the Lord God forever and ever, amen. Section one, end of section two, praise be to the Lord God forever and ever, amen. Those five sections to reflect the Word of God as revealed to Moses in the first five books of the Bible. And then in the end of the book of Psalms, there are five praises or hallelujah psalms, five again to reflect the five-fold division of the law in the five first books of the Bible to tell us again that blessing comes as we follow the Word of God. That is the path to true happiness. But then in the middle of those final five hallelujah psalms, it describes how that blessing is centered upon the one who is anointed as the horn, H-O-R-N. The horn in the Old Testament in the Bible is an image of the Messiah, the King, from 1 Samuel chapter 2, when Hannah praises God about the horn that is to be lifted up, that is to be David, the king. And at the end of that story of Samuel and 2 Samuel 22, David then describes the horn that has been lifted up as him as the anointed one. And so this horn in those last five 
hallelujah psalms that are five because they're reflecting the word of God, the fivefold division of the first five books of Moses of the Pentateuch, center upon though Christ, the Messiah, the horn that is lifted up, which is the theme of Psalm 2. So over and over again throughout the book of Psalms, it's not just a random collection of hymns. It is saying the path of blessing is to follow the word of God as it connects to Christ as the king. And then we come to this particular psalm. This psalm is a royal psalm. It's a messianic psalm. And specifically, it is most amazingly a psalm that speaks of the Christ, the Messiah, and indeed predicts Jesus as the Christ. Here it speaks of that Messiah King in ways far beyond what could ever be attributed to David or any other human king. It says, this king is the one who is God's son, verse 7. I will tell you the, the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. This king is the Lord's son. Something that could not be said of David. Yahweh's son. Not ultimately fulfilled in David. What is more, it is said of this king, verse 8, that he will have the possession of the ends of the earth. He will rule over all nations. His will be a global kingdom, a rule that was never fulfilled in, uh, in David. And then finally, verse 12, it tells us to kiss the son. That uh, description of kissing the son is a kind of commitment that in the Bible is never described as appropriate to commit in that way to any human. First Kings 19, when Elijah, the prophet Elijah, confronts the false prophets of Baal, the idol, He's encouraged that there are many others who have not submitted to Baal, have not kissed Baal. To kiss the Son is to treat the Son as God, to worship Him, to bow before Him, to adore Him, and no human, no merely mortal king should ever be treated that way. And so this psalm, this royal psalm, is indeed a messianic psalm. It's talking of Christ, the King, Jesus. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And its message is that the tumult of the nations ultimately has a spiritual cause and therefore spiritual solution. And there are three parts to the psalm. What they say, what God says, and therefore what we are to say. What they say, verses 1 to 3. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? There is a tumult of the nations. Why? 
Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot and invade? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, this is what they say, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. What they're saying is we will not have, we will not submit to, we will not accept the rulership of God and His Christ. We will burst their bonds apart. Their rule that seems so oppressive that it is like a bondage, its cords tying us down, stopping us acting in ways that we believe are our right or should be our liberty to act, will burst them apart, will cast their cords from us. So the ultimate reason for the tumult of the nations, why do the nations rage? Why do they plot? What is going on? Why does this happen? This psalm is telling us that the ultimate reason is our human rebellion against God and His Christ. So today, when, as inevitably is the case, on the forefront of all our minds are the wars of our own day, and and specifically Russia and Ukraine, and we analyze why that is happening and what's going on and what is the cause for that, and not only Russia and Ukraine, there will be other wars to come in the future, and there have been other wars in the past. And not only international conflicts in the not-too-distant past in this own country, there have been significant tumults as well. When we look at the tumults of the nations, we can analyze it along certain ways. We can look at the geopolitical realities and the machinations of uh, the movers and shakers of our globe. We can uh, look at the psychological motivations of those involved. We can analyze it culturally and socially and historically and, and all that. But ultimately, the Bible teaches the reason why the nations are in tumult is because of a rebellion against God and His Christ. What CNN will not tell you about the current conflict that has been building, of course, for a number of different years is that Ukraine has been for decades the Bible Belt of the whole Russian-speaking world. That is where there are the largest churches. That is where the seminaries are. That is where the training centers are. There are many other dynamics going on. There are geopolitical realities. There are psychological and historical and cultural factors. And There are Christians in Russia just as much as there are in Ukraine. We have missionaries working in Russia. We have 
Russian Christian leaders that we, that we partners with and believe in their work, but ultimately the conflict beyond just one nation, the rage of the nations, is a spiritual conflict. It's an expression of our human rebellion, all of our human rebellion, against God and His Christ. In 2014, when uh, Russians annexed Crimea, a place where there are seminaries, a seminary there taken over, destroyed, literal burning of Christian books in the middle of all the, what CNN will not tell you, what Fox News will not tell you, what you'll not get on whatever social media app you're following to keep up with the latest data, what will not be told you is that there is a bigger picture, there's a spiritual reality going on, and that is a human rebellion against God and His Christ across the whole globe. That's the spiritual cause. That's what they, what they say. What does God say? Verses 4 to 9. Here's what God said. God says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak. He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. What God says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. Then he will speak. First he laughs. Then he speaks. Laughter, they say, is the best medicine. It can be used in all sorts of different ways and have different impact depending upon its context and tone. When Rochelle and I first uh, came over to America, I think it was 1999 or maybe it was, maybe it was 1998. That's what happens when you go to the wrong side of 50. You can't remember whether it was 1999 or 1998. No, it was 1999 because I was married in 1998 and I remember that date. We uh, flew from London Heathrow to JFK on, uh, I think it may have been American Airlines or British Airways, I don't remember. At any rate, we're flying out of Heathrow, and Rochelle and I, uh, we had no kids at the time, it was just the two of us. We were on the plane, and as we'd lifted off and we were in the air, the uh, announcement was made over the, uh, the public address system that we were the last flight that day to leave Heathrow because there was a hurricane on the east coast of America. And Rochelle and I looked at each other and laughed. 
we said, that was a piece of, inf of information we could have done without. <laughs> the rest of the flight was fairly uneventful. And as we got to JFK, the pilot tried to land once. Uh, of course, there was wind and he didn't manage to land and then he tried to land again and blown off course and couldn't land again and then third time round he st still didn't land and then over the public address system the, the pilot's voice came out always very calm aren't they very calm he said well next time round we're going to have to land because we don't have much fuel left <laughs> and Rochelle and I looked at each other and laughed and said that was a piece of information we could have done without. <laughs> Laughter can expose the hubris and pride of the human condition. It was Muhammad Ali, it is said, who was on a plane one time who said to the air stewardess, who was trying to get him to put on his seatbelt. Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which Muhammad Ali is meant to have uh, had the immortal response from the quick-witted air stewardess. Superman don't need no plane either. It can be used in cutting ways, like the mafia man in the movie who looked at his enemy and said, the last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's on my list. We can laugh at God. Many people do today. They think it's ridiculous to believe in your invisible friend. But as Regina Spector put it, Regina Spector, a New York City singer-composer in her song, Laughing With, no one laughs at God in a hospital. No one laughs at God in a war. No one laughs at God when they're starving, also very poor. And this laughter here exposes the ridiculousness of us raising our fist against the Almighty. He laughs. And then he speaks. As Charles Spurgeon uh, put it in his multi-volume commentary on the book of Psalms called The Treasury of David, that having laughed, all God needs to do is speak for the words of his breath are sufficient. And of course what he says is, Christ is king.
what they say, what God says, and therefore what we are to say. Verses 10 to 13. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. What we are to say essentially is evangelism. Here we have a warning. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. A warning of the consequences of not following Christ as our King, but also a welcome. Serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling, kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. It's a word of warning and a word of welcome. For the tumult of the nations ultimately has a spiritual cause and therefore a spiritual solution. Evangelism, the gospel. Well, what are we to do with this? amazing psalm too, and how are we to respond to it? Partly, of course, it is important that we get our minds and hearts around what is being said here. We need to understand the Bible's perspective on our day, understand the Bible, and in the light of the Bible, understand the world around us. We need to reconnect the truth of what the Bible says to our feelings and not live in anxiety and and, and depression and discouragement when we read what's happening or we watch what's happening, but, but, but get out of that view of the world and get Psalm 2 view of the world. The, the one who sits in heaven laughs, and he speaks, and Christ is the king. Part of, part of what we need to do is to understand and grasp and reconnect the emotions of our own lives to the truth of God's Word that leads us to Christ. We need to get the bigger picture. Harvard uh, professor of leadership describes how part of the task of a leader, this is the way he puts it, is to get off the dance floor of life and get into the balcony and look at the bigger picture. Yes, you may be going through difficult circumstances. Yes, you may be struggling with this, that, and the other. Yes, the nations are in tumult. Yes, that is a serious situation that can lead to serious consequences. Yes, but there's a bigger picture. 
Christ is king. There's an eternal perspective. And part of what we need to do is to, to connect our emotions to that bigger picture that this psalm here poetically is preaching to us. But the other aspect, and in every way the most important aspect, is not merely to get the bigger picture, but to kiss the sun. Not merely to understand the truth, but commit to it. And here, I'm afraid, very often we minimize what is being asked of us. If you like uh, computer games, you will probably know that if you're playing a computer game, updates to that game can at times be released from the internet and sometimes called a DLC or a downloadable content. You can get some new updates to the computer game. Very often we hear this call to commit to Jesus and to His rule as a bit like a DLC, a downloadable piece of content. Our life will carry on pretty much as it was. We'll keep on playing the same game that we've been playing, and we'll just download a bit of extra spiritual content. But actually, what's being asked of us here is far more than that. It's to kiss the Son. That is to bow before Him, submit to Him, worship Him, reorientate our whole lives around Him and His rule. And that is the, the, the blessing that is on offer for those who do. I um, have recently had my uh, office at the church um, reconstructed a little bit. It, it had a partition of, uh, of walls that made it kind of cramped, I felt. And so I've asked our maintenance people to knock down those walls. So those of you old enough to get the reference, I said, Mr. Kern, tear down these walls. And he did. To kiss the sun is not to have a DLC, a downloadable piece of content stuck into the already existing software of your lives. It's to reconstruct your life. To have walls torn down. But he is the king. And the path of wisdom is to take refuge in him, to trust in him and him alone. To kiss the sun. Oh, Lord God, we do pray that that we would, we would do that. I pray, Lord, for those here this morning who don't yet know you, perhaps grew up in a Christian home, 
but are not yet yours. I pray, Lord, that as a result of this psalm written so long ago that so clearly points to Jesus Christ as the only fulfillment of the global kingdom and the anointed rule, the Son of God, those here this morning who don't yet know you, would in their minds and in their hearts now take refuge in you. It is the path of blessing. It is the path of joy. And our Lord God, I pray for all those here who are anxious, who feel as if the engine of their internal thoughts is always revving at the moment. They watch the news, they they follow what's going on in the world, and they are anxious and angry and stirred up and wonder what on earth is going on. Lord, would you show them that this psalm asks that very question. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? What on earth is going on? And to that question there is an answer. The world is in rebellion against you, Lord. All of us. And to that problem there is a solution. The rule of Christ. So for those of us, Lord, who are anxious this morning, would you still our hearts reconnect our emotions to the bigger picture of your eternal kingdom that shall not be shaken. Help us to live, Lord, in the light of that bigger picture today and this week. And for all of us, Lord, as a church, we pray that we would have confidence to know that The mission and vision of the church, the gospel, is not a minimal or marginal activity, but is the very solution to the biggest problems we face today and every day. So give us courage, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.